Hi everybody, Mike Wardrop from Encounter Church here and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. Well, hello church and welcome to Encounter tonight. So great to be with you. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here and welcome to our brand new series. This is the start of something special, something brand new that we're doing as a church, a new series called Heaven on Earth. You can see the beautiful art behind me, Heaven on Earth. And this is a series that is built around the passages of Scripture that we find in the Bible in Matthew and Luke known as the Lord's Prayer. Now, you're probably familiar with this. It's the most famous prayer in the world by far. But you might be asking, why are we doing a whole six-week series on the Lord's Prayer? It's a good question, and I've got three reasons that I want to talk to you about. First is this, a guy called Richard Foster, who wrote a book called Celebration of Discipline, and it is a phenomenal book for people wanting to explore what it means to go deeper with Jesus in their personal lives. He said this about prayer, that all who have walked with God have viewed prayer as the main business of their lives. So the great saints throughout history viewed prayer not as an option, not as an added extra, but essential. We're talking Augustine, Martin Luther, John Wesley, John Calvin, John Knox, all the Johns you can think of. Everyone viewed it as an essential part of their walk with God, an essential part of their life. But for many of us, prayer can feel hard to understand. Where are our prayers actually going? What do they actually do? So this explanation of how we pray is really important. It's about equipping you in your relationship with God. The second thing is this. For us as a church, we have resolved that Encounter is going to be a prayerful church, a church that contends in prayer. That's the language we like to use, contending in prayer, battling in prayer. And for this year in particular, we wanted to focus on that as a church and as a leadership team. And COVID-19 has really, friends, it's only made it more obvious our need to contend in prayer. So this is a time to set apart and seek God in prayer, to contend in prayer. And finally, and most importantly, it's this. One of the things that people really want to do, everyone wants to do in life, whether they realize it or not, is hear from God. They want clarity about what's going on in their life. They want to know that somewhere, somehow, some person or being or the universe, whatever language they put to it, has some kind of plan that there is meaning and purpose. But the trouble is we don't hear very clearly from God. And even though we have Jesus as a model, Jesus himself didn't necessarily talk straight to people very often. He talked in parables. He talked in stories. He spoke prophetically. But here in the Lord's Prayer, we have one of the few times where the disciples ask Jesus a question and he just says, okay, here's the answer. He simply says to them, this then is how you should pray. This is a gift to the church. So my prayer for you during this series is this. As we unpack the Lord's Prayer, that you may know the Lord's Prayer deeply and off by heart. It's actually not too hard. And that you would find a fresh consistency and comfort in the presence of God as you pray. So normally this part of the message, I probably pause and pray as we go into it. But I want to do something different. As we explore the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, I want us all to say the Lord's Prayer together. So this is a moment to memorize Scripture and let it soak into you. And it's a moment of unity for us as a church. And it might be a moment for you to grow in the way that you pray. So let's say this together. This is ancient practice going back to Jesus himself. 
the words are going to be on your screen and the translation is going to be from the NIV or the ESV. It's actually the same translation. So you repeat with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. You know, I just want to encourage you. That's actually really easy to learn. And I'll talk a little bit midweek. We're going to film something extra and put it up on YouTube and on Facebook and Insta about how you can teach your kids the Lord's Prayer. That's something we've done as a family over the years. And it's actually really, really simple. Um, But I want to kick in by just telling you up front a little bit about Encounter's response to contending in prayer, because this is so important that we started to reframe our weeks around prayer. We've started to cut out different meetings so that we can make sure that a prayer meeting is a meeting that takes priority in the life of our church. That's how much we value prayer. So here's what we're doing. As you, as you heard in notices, as Tom shared with you, we do prayer meetings on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights. They're from eight to nine. That's on Zoom. So you can, you can, we actually haven't opened it up, obviously, in the last few weeks. In the near future, we'll start to open up our home again for prayer meetings. But for now, it's all on Zoom. But what does that mean? It's never been easier. You can just log in, uh, chuck, it, chuck it in the code, and, and you'll be straight there. You'll link in with everybody else. And then we're going to do the same thing again via Zoom, Friday lunchtime prayer meetings. So we pray with our interns, but we're opening that up to everybody. It's going to be from 12 to 12.30, which means that if you're on a lunch break at work, easy. It's a half an hour's time that you can join in and pray with us over your city, over your world, and over what's going on in your lives. And we're also looking into doing some short 10 to 15 minute prayers on weekday mornings. So just keep your ears pierced for that as well. I just want to tell you a few things though about these prayer meetings, just to encourage you, because if prayer is something that is not natural to you, a prayer meeting either sounds intimidating or just like downright lunatic stuff, you know, like stuff you might not want to get involved with at all. Let me encourage you. Our prayer meetings will be led, so you know what's going on. You're not going to be confused. You're not going to be wondering. It's it's okay. We'll, We'll lead you in prayer. They'll be open, which means everyone is welcome. You do not have to be a professional at praying. In fact, we prefer that you aren't. We prefer that you bring your heart and your passion and all of you. And they will be regular. They'll be on every week, which means if you miss it on a Tuesday, you can come on a Thursday or come on a Friday or come the next week. And I want to encourage you as well. Don't worry if you're 10 minutes late, just log in. It doesn't matter. And then you can go through to nine or maybe you've got something you have to do at nine. You have to leave at quarter two. That's fine, right? What we want to do is I want to really want to encourage, really want to challenge you to start building a culture of prayer in your life and in the life of your family. Because as the song says, this is for your children and their children and their children. But let's get into the message and let's get into the Lord's Prayer. Because the passage we heard Pieta read tonight is from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. It's one of the most famous passages in Scripture. And Jesus is giving this great message. He's up on the mountaintop. He's teaching. And he teaches about prayer and fasting and giving. And as he teaches about prayer, he gives us the Lord's Prayer in answer to the disciples' question. And it's listed in Matthew and Luke. Matthew's is a little bit longer. But one thing you might notice as you read it 
is that the doxology at the end, that's the name for the end of the prayer, isn't there. That the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. That's not in Scripture. We think this was added sometime in the first century, and it's probably an echo of a prayer of praise that David gives in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 to 13. You can look that up when you get a chance. But tonight, we're not looking at that. What I want to do is spend a few minutes tonight looking at the opening two lines because they are critical. Every good story starts with a sharp opening. I want to suggest something to you now. If you can learn to trust God as your loving Father, not only will your prayer life improve, all of your life will improve. All of it. That's what I'm promising to you. So let's jump into that very first line, our Father in heaven. This is how the Lord's prayer begins. And the Lord's prayer is filled with something called petitions. You know what a petition is? It's, it's something where you ask for something. But the first part is in it called the address. It's how we're addressing God, our Father in heaven. Now, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jen preached a cracker Mother's Day message on the characteristics of God and the mother heart of God. And in some ways, tonight's message is like part two of that, the father heart of God. Because the thing about God that helps define the Lord's prayer and make it so important and defines our relationship with him and one of the many things that make Christianity so unique is that God is not a distant deity. He's not a blind watchmaker. And he's not one of many options to choose from. He is our present loving Father. This is so important for you to catch, church. He is present. He's loving. He's a Father. And he is not just a Father. He's your Father. Our Father in heaven. Not the Father. Ours, yours, mine, our Father. And Jesus modeled this for us really beautifully. In the Gospels, we hear him refer to God at one point as Abba. Abba, it's spelled A-B-B-A. Don't get confused. It's not a Swedish band from the 70s. It's in fact a really intimate expression. And it's not in Greek. It's in Aramaic. Aramaic is the language that Jesus would have grown up speaking. It was his mother tongue. And it's a word you would only use if you had a warm, intimate, familiar relationship with your father. Paul uses it twice as well in the New Testament. It's deeply powerful. In Romans, he uses the term to talk about the way that God's Holy Spirit draws us into his family. Romans 8.15, he said, For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave to fear again, but you receive the spirit of sonship or adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. It's like saying we cry out, Daddy. And then he goes again. He, he piggybacks on this in Galatians. He says in Galatians 4.8, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, again, that language, Abba, Father. We're crying out, Daddy, my Father who I love, who I'm close with. That's the level of intimacy. Paul's message is really clear that you and I, when we are saved by Jesus, are part of God's family. We are adopted into the family of God. We have our earthly fathers, the ones who brought us into the world, but we also have a distinctly different heavenly father. Every other image of fatherhood is an imitation of God's perfect image of fatherhood. Why is this important? Well, number one, it helps lets us poor dads off the hook. Yeah, we're trying. We are a pale shadow, an imitation of God. But here's the more important thing. It's because so many people across the world struggle to trust God. How do I know 
God really has my best interests at heart. Because sometimes it feels like what I read about in the Bible or what I hear Christians saying, I don't know, it doesn't feel to fit with the things I want for my life. And God wants us to understand not only what he's done in adopting us into his family, but he wants us to trust him. Because when we trust him, we can safely entrust him with our prayers. When you trust God, you can trust your prayers to him. That's one of the things people struggle with about God as well. We say, okay, you want me to trust God with my prayers, but let me tell you something. Doesn't he know our prayers already? In fact, didn't, didn't, didn't you just read, didn't that lady just read the scripture before that said, doesn't Jesus even say, your father knows what you need before you ask? Yes, absolutely. God does not need to hear your prayers to know them, which is why you can say them in the depths of your heart, which is why all of you are praying without even knowing it. You're crying out for something. And if you feel like you would name yourself an atheist or an agnostic, this is for you. Because there is something crying out from the depths of our heart to say, won't you hear what is happening in my heart? Is somebody listening? And God is saying, yes. But as a father, let me tell you this. I almost always know what my kids are going to say before they say it. Why? Well, little kids are generally fairly predictable to start with. But more than anything, it's because I know them really, really well. I spent time with them. I love them. But I still want to hear what's important to them because that's important to them. And that's how I show love for them. They're my beloved children and hearing what's on their heart. Listen to this. It brings us closer together. And when God hears what's on your heart, it brings you closer together. Now, what does that do to God? Nothing except bring him love. What does that do to you? There's something about naming your prayer and offering them to God. It's an act of vulnerability and love that a child does with their parent. That's how we tap into the Father heart of God. And the Father heart of God is critical for us to understand as we pray because it's what transforms prayer from an empty ritual with a distant being, which is not an idea that is filling anybody's bucket into a dynamic conversation with a loving, heavenly parent. It's the Father heart of God. And then we get to the first petition. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, the word petition, like I said, really means request. You think of signing a petition. So why would we make a request that God's name be hallowed or maybe to make it a bit more contemporary and helpful, honoured, glorified, holy, isn't the name of God already holy? Yes, it absolutely is. Nothing you or I can do makes God more or less holy, which I hope is a relief if you wondered that when we gather again and you've never been in a church, you were hoping that lightning wouldn't strike you down as you entered the building or something. You're fine. You're fine. Nothing can make God less holy. It's okay. But this is how Martin Luther put it. He said that we're not praying for his name to be holy. We're praying that we would keep it holy. We're praying that we don't dishonor his name and that it would be empowered, that we would be empowered to become good and holy ourselves. And his suggestion is that this prayer is a petition because it's a petition about us. Simply put, we're saying, God, help us live all our lives in a way that reflects you. That's what we're really asking here. In 1 Corinthians, Paul puts it this way. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory of God. And then John Calvin, the, the, John Calvin, the great theologian and reformer, he took it a step further. 
He suggested that our ingratitude and our indifference dishonors God. That to hallow or honor God's name is to have a a heart of grateful joy towards God and even more, a wondrous sense of his beauty. This is what Calvin said. We do not revere his name unless he captivates us with wonderment for him. Isn't that beautiful? And I think this is catching what Jesus said in John's gospel when he reminded us that he came to bring life in abundance, life to the full, life everlasting, yes, but also life filled to the brim right now. So are we honouring God with our lives? Do we have a sense of the beauty and majesty of God? And here's maybe a paradox for you to wrestle with. Can we see God as both loving Father and the author of wonder and glory through our creation? Can we do both those things together? That's what we are invited to do in the first petition. Hallowed be your name. Don't just flee sin. Do that. But if all you're doing is running away from sin, you're going to be miserable. As you run away from sin, enjoy God. Enjoy God. Did you know that the word for repentance, to turn away from sin, is is an action where you do 180 degrees. So it's not as much that you're turning away from sin, that you're turning to Jesus. We're enjoying who God is. He's your loving Father. He's the glorious author of creation. He is worthy of your honor, and he is inviting your affection. That is the first petition. You've heard earlier this evening our rendition of the beautiful song, The Blessing, which has been impacting people so powerfully across the world. And The Blessing is a song based on another prayer, a prayer in the book of Numbers that God gives to Moses in order to give all the priests of Israel. Like the Lord's Prayer, the priestly blessing is a gift from God to his people. And this is what he says in Numbers 6, verses 22 to 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. That's Yahweh. That's Abba. That's the Father. He's saying this to his people from the very beginning, right back in the Exodus, right back before then, as God names Adam. Right from the beginning, God was all about the same thing, helping people enter his family. That's what he wants for you. It's an astonishing gift. It's an inheritance you and I, we don't deserve, and a family line we can't possibly live up to. But instead of having to call him master... We call him father. And rather than being called servants or slaves, he calls us daughters and sons. And this doesn't detract from his glory or his holiness or his majesty. It invites us to share in it, not to grab a glory of our own, but to inherit it from our father, to bask in the reflection of the glory of God, the goodness of grace we see in him. That is the invitation of God the Father. The fatherhood of God is a gift from God. The fatherhood of God is a gift from God. Now, here's where this gets personal for all of us. Jesus, we mentioned before that he uses this in the Gospels, but he only uses it once. He uses it in Mark's Gospel, only once. Where did he use it? In the Garden of Gethsemane. Mark chapter 14, 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, 
but what you will. Not what I will, what you will. You see, in the moment of his life, when Jesus was at his most emotionally vulnerable, he cried out to God, not in anger, not with a sense of distance or detachment, but as a loving father. He was in the middle of a situation that caused him deep pain. And catch this, if you've never heard this before, Jesus says, take this cup away from me, if it can. He doesn't want to go through this suffering, ideally. He's not insane. He's not a sadist. But the thing is, he trusted his father. And you hear that. You hear that cry, Abba, Father. The intimacy of somebody who knows God as father. And he finishes it with, not what I will but what you will, the heart of trust. Friends, the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is God's invitation to trust him as your loving, good, heavenly father. Your loving, good, heavenly father. He wants you to understand, Jesus wants you to understand that God is the father you've always been looking for. The father you've been looking for in your earthly father who, whether good or bad, your earthly father will always be imperfect. I'm sure they're trying their best. Lord knows I am, but we make mistakes. But your perfect, loving, heavenly father does not. He's here. He's holy. He's calling you home. So what do we do from here? Well, in closing, I want to quote Richard Foster one more time because he said this about prayer. He said, either the excuses and rationalizations for unanswered prayer I had been taught were wrong or Jesus' words were wrong. So I determined to learn to pray so that my experience conformed to the words of Jesus rather than trying to make his words conform to my impoverished experience. Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you're able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We'd love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.